Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Friday edition of the show. Oh, do I love saying that? Friday edition of the Danny Mac show with BK, and we've got a good one. We got a good one coming up. We got Kyle McClellan coming up. We've got also Alan Craig. Both were part of the 2011 World Championship team here in St. Louis. I don't know about you, and I don't know if the listeners feel this way. Does it seem like 10 years? That it's been no, it makes me feel old, Dan. <laughs> Ten year anniversary of that 2011 team. Ten years can't be ten years. Makes yeah. me feel old. I was in middle school when it happened. Tanner, no, well, you're a young guy. Shut up. I don't want to hear my from freshman you. year in college, and so it brings back so many well, you memories. Shut up too. You're young too. I was in. So Dan, it was my first real experience with Cardinals fans, like a, a mass number of Cardinals fans, right? Because oh, yeah. I, I grew up in Kansas City. I ended up going to Mizzou in my freshman year. I was living in uh, the Pi Kappa Alpha fraternity house. And 90% of the house is from St. Louis, right? That's the vast majority of Greek life in, in at Mizzou. And so you get through October, and I'm going through um, my fall freshman semester, and I'm getting to know all these guys from St. Louis, and the way that I'm getting to know them is basically through the Cardinals in the postseason. And, Dan, you may know this as a Royals fan myself, I had never experienced October. I had noticed that. Um, it was my first I'm not first talking time. about 1985. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, no, we're not going I, there. I was not born at that point okay. in time. So I literally have never, at that point in my life, never seen my team go through the playoffs. And so I'm watching all of these Cardinals fans going through it, especially game six. You've got this whole ride up to the World Series and then in the World Series. It was unbelievable to be able to experience that with them. So I got to live my first real experience with Cardinals fans being one of the greatest runs to a World Series ever. It and that's was awesome. Why, you know, I think this show is going to be fun. Um, obviously, I'll ask Kyle, who follows the Cardinals here in St. Louis. We'll, we'll talk to him a little bit about what's going on in spring training, that kind of thing. But it is fun to reflect on these things. And I did one of the uh, the roundtables, if you will, virtually for the uh, the winter warm-up and Kyle was a part of it we had Lance Berkman we had Ryan Terrio that was awesome by the way did if you watch any, it yeah if any Cardinals fans can check that out I think it's available at least, at least pieces are yeah cardinals.com and the Fox Sports Midwest Twitter accounts and stuff yeah. like that it was awesome what you were able to do with them and it just brought up so many things I had forgotten about that season and then it, what's great about doing those BK and I'm sure you've done some too is when you get a group of guys like that together and a key is being removed from the game. So there's not the the pressure of feeling, oh, man, what am I going to say here? You know, they're just having fun. And for many of these guys, they hadn't seen each other since probably 2011, 2012, 2013 or talked. And that is the great thing when you get these 10-year reunions or the 20 or the 30 and the 40, which we've had, is that you get these guys together and it's like they haven't missed a beat. Like we did the 64, the 67, the 68. And I was back at those luncheons and had a chance to see how it was. And then all of a sudden there's Bob Gibson with a, a, a player that was a bench guy that maybe they haven't talked in literally two decades, three decades. And it's like they picked up and started mm -hmm. ribbing each other like 
they were still playing. That's the stuff that I, I know the players miss, the camaraderie of that. Uh, but it's just so much fun, I think, for the fans to get a little peek behind the curtain, too. I think it was Berkman who said this to you, but you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. It was one of the guys that was in that uh, roundtable with you who said, you know, that team was talented. We all knew that. But it was the bond that they had in that room that made it such a special group. And that's why he felt that they ended up winning that World Series was because of how close they were, how tight knit of a group that was. And I think there's something to that. And sometimes on the outside looking in, we lose sight of that a little bit. We look at, you know, the numbers and certainly nowadays more maybe than ever, we look at the numbers. But there is something to the bond that these teams are able to have. And in 2020 and in 2021 with the pandemic going on, that's almost something that's lost a little bit because there's not the same team dinners where you go out and you're ribbon on the rookie or uh, you're able to go out after a tough loss, have a couple of beers, and it's the conversation that changed the season, right? Those are the things that we lose right now. And hopefully, as things start getting a little bit more back to normal, we can get get back to some of that stuff. Players talked about it a lot with me uh, last year, how tough it was for them to, if they were doing it, the protocols properly, Go to So say their day started with waking up, having breakfast, maybe working out at their homes, going to the ballpark late, being socially distant, not having the intimate conversations with your teammates, taking batting practice in the concourse. So they were taking batting practice where you are going to get your nachos and beer and hot dogs this year. I would walk into a certain area and I could see it. I was well far away from them, but I could see it from this one area. It was eerie. I looked out over the, I was at another part, like level three of Bush Stadium, and I looked out over it, and there's the guys in the middle of the concourse, BK, taking batting practice just to be separated as much as they could. You had the batting cages that were um, right outside the dugout, so some guys would be there, and then you'd have these <laughs> the netting set up like you'd be at a Little League park in the concourse. That's crazy. Yeah. And then guys would play the game. A lot of times there was not infield practice. They were told separate as much as you can. The starters were told don't come to the ballpark starting pitchers, you know, unless you got, had to throw a bullpen or something. And then if you got lifted in the game, go home. Where a lot of times guys, and especially 10, 15, 20 years ago, a game would end and guys would crack open a few beers and sit around after the media would, scrums would, you know, scrums would be done and sit around and talk about the game and say, well, okay, what were you thinking in this situation? What did, what, you know, what did you think of that move? Why did we do this? It was baseball talk. It's what Mike Schilt does now. He calls it, you know, talking ball. Mm-hmm. That's what was being done after games all the time amongst the players. And so that was gone. And, and, you know, I talked to Paul DeYoung about it. He said the social aspect of being with your teammates was lost. And he said, I understand that from your perspective or a fan's perspective, you're like, well, it's a big deal. Well, that's where we talk about the game to try to get better. And when that's gone, man, that's that's hard. You know, you want to have that part of the game. So I heard Braden Shin on the fast lane yesterday. By the way, great conversation. You should check it out on the podcast page if you missed it. And he was out at the pool in California. And the guys were like, oh, this is just what you do now. And he's like, no, we don't do anything. Right. He's like, we, we're basically in our hotels all day. He's like, you just happened to catch me on one of the very, very, very rare true off days where they're out in California. They're in L.A. He's like, and we all just came down to the pool. He's like, it's honestly kind of cool. Like, this is one of the very rare experiences where we can all just kind of hang out together outside, right. catching some sun. And so it it was kind of cool to you could almost hear the joy in his voice where this is for the first time in a while. 
he's actually able to hang out with his team in a setting that almost feels something like normal. Yeah. Cardinals uh, yesterday, you hope this is not the normal oh, way it's going to play out, but 14 nothing loss. Uh, Carpenter 0 for 3, 3 strikeouts. Thomas went 1 for 2. Carlos Martinez in the inning in two-thirds did not look good. Gave up six runs, all earned. Uh, the bright spot that I take from this game, Alex Reyes. Again, two innings, no hits, no runs, struck out three. He was very good. Uh, Helsley was okay, inning, no hits. Did walk one, struck out three. Cabrera, inning, two hits, two runs. Gallegos, inning pitch, three hits, three runs. So anyone you want to look at it, not a very... Not a very good uh, uh, performance for the St. Louis Cardinals. So we mentioned this yesterday. Guys with a track record, I don't get really concerned, especially no. from one performance, one outing. I, this is this is not alarm bells. There's no blinking red lights or anything like that. Use the men in black flashy thing, pretend it never happened, and then move on to the next outing. That's basically the way that I treat this. Now, what I will say Guys that have less of a track record, if you're great, that'll open my eyes a little bit. Alex Reyes looks fantastic so yeah. far in spring training, yep. Dan. And I'm still on team. Let's be patient. Watch the innings. Be careful with this guy. And the next year is the year where you could potentially see him in the rotation. And it sounded like after the game, based on the comments, Mike Schilt is on that team as well. In other words, the front office is on that team. I wonder if he keeps doing this, though, if he's going to almost force their hand, especially early in the season, if Michaelis isn't 100% yet. I wonder if you could see some three, four inning starts for Alex Reyes early on. I, I think John Gant. You think? I, I think it'd be Gant. I, I do. I, I think they would go with him because they're going to keep Reyes on this rhythm and don't disrupt it. It's working. Keep him going. And if we can keep him healthy, then let's let's do it this way. And I, I think that they would probably go in the direction of Gantt. That would be my guess. But time will tell. You have any concerns about Carlos yet? No. No, I don't. I, I just want him to be healthy. Um, and the fact that he pitched well in winter ball, for the most part, no. not in a, It's it's one start. It's it's like KK the other day. Do I, it, you know, do I get concerned about that? No. Do I get concerned about Flaherty? He didn't look good his first start? No. No, I don't. It's one weekend, so... If, it, if you have five in a row like this, then, yeah, you say, okay, there's a there's an issue here, even if it is spring training. But just one in his first, no, I don't. Especially, like, if he bounces back in his next one, goes two innings, allows two hits, no earned runs, this will be a blip on the radar. It it just it feels significant right now because everything with Carlos feels significant. That's yeah. how it ends up going. Kind of under the microscope, isn't he? This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Great to have the chance to visit with Kyle McClellan, the St. Louis native, and still calling St. Louis home, doing some great work in our community. We'll get into that in just a moment, but uh, it is hard to believe it is the 10-year anniversary of the 2011 World Championship Club. Kyle was a part of that, and Kyle, good morning. Always great to hear your voice. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you guys? We're doing great. Uh, is it hard to believe it's been 10 years? It yeah, is for it me. Is. Yeah, it, I mean, it. You know, it kind of sneaks up on you, and then you start to feel old. <laughs> you start to tell your tell your kids about it, and you're like, man, it's been 10 years, you know, 10 years since uh, we were out there doing our thing, and it, it, it feels like, you know, Dan, you, you hosted that Zoom we did for uh, for Cardinals Care 
And I said on there, it was just seeing some of those guys for the first time in 10 years, but it felt like it was just last week. You know, we just jumped right in and uh, right where you left off. And it's always good to see those guys. And I look forward to the celebrations the Cardinals have planned this year for us. I was concerned in that Zoom that we may need a dump button. Um, thank goodness we didn't need the dump button. Everybody kept it fairly clean. So it was it was great, though. But you guys picked up right where you left off, the ribbing, the memories. I, I want to ask you about, with the Zoom in, in particular, was there anything that struck you about it with the guys that were on it? I listed some of the guys that were on it earlier, and for folks that don't uh, tune into the show for the entirety of it, shame on you. But here it was. It was uh, Ryan Terrio, Kyle McClellan, I think Lance Berkman was. Well, I know Lance Berkman was on it. Yeah. Um, who else am I? Alan Craig Mott was on it. Yeah, Freeze. Yeah, Mott Freeze. He was a pretty big name there. Yeah, that was that, that, he had a pretty he big had a decent postseason. Yeah, him. not a bad postseason. Um, did anything? Gerald Leonard popped in for a second. Yeah, Gerald was there for a second, <laughs> and kind of like his Cardinal career. But it was great. Um, did, did anything like strike you or bring back memories right away? That that when we were first starting out, that you're like, oh my goodness, I forgot about that stuff. Uh, it's just you know, just all the inside jokes and the time. I mean, look, you spend so much time with these guys in the locker room and know so much about them and their families and um, when guys are giving updates and just talking about their kids and you know maybe they're in high school or they're going to college you know it's like holy cow I can't believe you know but they were running around you know in there uh, you know causing trouble in the locker room and um, so I think that you know just how much people have have grown up and moved on everybody was doing well which is great to hear you know you love to hear those stories of guys when they're done playing fall right into something that that uh, that continue, continues to keep them motivated and and um, you know gives, gives them something to do and um, so that, that was, that was great. But just the, just the jokes that they're, they're still funny. 10 years later, they're still funny to us. And I'm sure fans are like, what are they talking about? You know, but, uh, it was, it was great. It just, I, you know, my, my, uh, my cheeks hurt from smiling and, you know, I, I, again, I just look forward to being around those guys again and celebrating what we were able to accomplish. Kyle, of course, game six is, is what everybody remembers about that postseason run. But what was there another game, another moment in particular that stood out to you about that 2011 playoff run? Oh man! It, uh, they, I mean, you can you can go back to so many during that stretch. You know, ten and a half out. Every game was so important, and, and I think the biggest thing was once we lost the game in that, you kind of went home. Like, is that the end? You know, is that is is that what's going to finish us? And then we come back the next day and win. And Atlanta would keep losing, and then you keep getting another opportunity, and you get closer, and then we lose the game and be like, ah oh, man, maybe that's it. You know, we blew our chance because uh, you felt like you had to win every single game uh, to to have a chance. But really, I, I think the game that stands out more than game, uh, not maybe not more than game six, but out, outside of game six is, is uh, Halliday and Carp. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, can you imagine going into Philly of all places, game five on the road? You couldn't, I mean, other than Chris Carpenter, maybe I'd take Bob Gibson in that situation, but that's about it. You know, those are the two you want out there, and we just happen to have Carp lined up for that to go against his best friend in Halliday. And to jump out to a lead there in the first inning and then just absolutely shut them down from them. that offense was uh, I mean, the, the starting rotation in that for the Philly team was unbelievable. That offense was nasty too. And, and uh, he was just, he was incredible. And, and that's, that's Chris Carpenter. I mean, that that's the guy you want out there in that situation. And he lived up to it. You can relate to this being a St. Louis kid growing up for the Cardinals, then playing for the Cardinals and winning a championship. Um, what do you think it's been like for David Freeze, and what do you think it was like for him after that moment in Game Six? Well, I, I think it probably took a long time for it to settle in, you know, of like what with the magnitude of it, and and then you know when he left here, and I talked to him a little bit when he was in Pittsburgh. I, I was trying to do some stuff for the Cardinals, actually, um, a video thing, and he was like, you know, I just it's really not my thing. I don't really want, you know, I'm with a new team. I don't want this to kind of overshadow where I'm at. And, 
And uh, he, he was kind of blown off like it's not a big deal. And, and I, I remember telling my wife, I was like, I hope when he's done, he understands what that meant to this city and this organization and his role in this, in this organization, this community going forward past when he's done. You know, because like right now he's, he's focused on his career. And it's been awesome to see his involvement yes. and his desire to want to be involved because he has to be. You know, like that is such a big moment. And, and not everybody – wants that and enjoys that and he talks about it i mean it led to some ups and downs for him after that um but i'm glad that he's to the point now where he gets to come back he's willing to talk about it willing to open up and share about that because i mean ozzy smith's home run david freeze and not just david freeze's home run david freeze you know I mean, there's there's like seven different uh parts to that story that uh you know, he, he's he's going to be one of the most iconic Cardinal figures ever uh, to put on a uniform. And, and I'm glad he he's embracing that. And he's going to come back and let fans continue to celebrate that legacy with him. You you just said the word and stole it right out of my mouth. He is embracing it now. And that's yeah. what I, I'm so excited about because I was like you. I, I'm from here, Cardinal fan, doing the games now for almost 25 years. And it's awesome to see him want now and reach out to the Cardinals and say, right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yep. I'm let's do it and bring it on. And people, I get goosebumps thinking about it. People want that. And so he's embracing it. And I'm just so happy for him that he's at peace with everything. And, um, you know, to be a part of this, because it's such an epic part of, of what we all experienced back in 2011. He's going for 50 years from now, he's going to be sitting up on a stage somewhere and he's going to, uh, be, you know, Ozzy, sometimes he can, he can say that call word for word, right. Of his home run. And that will be David. I mean, he yep. will be able to say, you know, see you tomorrow night and, 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 and talk about it. He, he is going to talk about that. And, and, uh, you know, he didn't sign up for that. He just happened to, to smash the ball and, <laughs> and came up in those biggest spots and, and he's tied to it. So like you said, I'm, I'm glad he's embracing it because the Cardinals fans deserve it. And, uh, and I'm glad he's he's open to it. Former Cardinals pitcher Kyle McClellan joining us here on the Danny Mac Show with BK. Kyle, you referenced the Zoom call that you had with Dan a little bit ago. I wanted to ask you about that because we, we were talking about it a little before you came on. One thing that stuck out to me, I think it was Lance Berkman who said this during the call, was just how tight-knit of a group that was back in 2011. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, I mean, we get so lost in the numbers now that we forget that this is still a team game what was it about that group that came together so close? And how do you think teams do that now with everything that's going on and how difficult it is to be able to come together as a team? How do they still uh, make sure that they have some of that in that locker room today? Well, the, the, we had key players on that team that, that knew their roles. Gerald Laird might have been a backup catcher to Yachty, which might be one of the, you know, best or worst spots in the big leagues because you're, you're never going to play. I mean, you're going to play very limited. And, uh, but he came to the field every day and he, he did, he did play. He had a significant role on that team. You know, Yachty went down for a while and, and he was plugged in there to give Yachty some breaks, but he was awesome in the locker room. He knew his role and he came in and he played it extremely well. We had Nick Punto. We had Skip Schumacher. We had Ryan Terrio. Those are the, those are the four that jump out to me that were the glue of our team. You know, they just, uh, if they weren't playing that day, they were keeping guys loose, having fun. If they were playing day, it was the same thing. Um, we had that. It, if, if you're going to go through a season and you're going to lose four or five games in a row, it, it becomes tough and not fun to come to the field. It still was fun to come to the field, and you could look past all the other stuff. And, and those, you know, I, I say all the time, a, a good clubhouse will win you an extra four or five, six games a year, you know, because you come together and, and, uh, and it's just a different vibe. It's a different feeling. And, and so we, we had that throughout the whole year. Then we had young guys that came up and played their roles. I mean, we had John Jay, we had Alan Craig, we had guys that 
you know, didn't have a ton of time in, in the league, but came up there, played their role perfectly. We're, we're great on the field. We're great off the field in the locker room. Um, it, it was just a, and then you had your superstars. You had Albert and, and Carp and Wayno and, and Yachty and guys like that that played their role. It was just, it was a whole team effort. And, uh, you know, that today's, you know, the, the look with COVID, yeah, it's more challenging. But even before that, with social media, it's challenging because everybody's now has the platform to build their own brand. Um, and they take advantage of that. And there's so much more involvement on the phones. There's not as much sit down and play cards or sit down at the lunch table and, and just have a conversation. And um, but, but we saw that change about five years ago, you know, in this game. And if you're in the locker room now, I mean, it's, these guys make a conscious effort to conquer that and to bring guys together and to do things as a team, whether it's a group text message or anything, just, you know, keeping guys up, doing team dinners on the road, whatever that is, you got to find those ways to, to make this not about the individual, but about the group as a whole, because you're going through a battle here, 162 games, and, and you need everybody pulling the same direction. I, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but I'm going to ask you now. Did did anybody have any inkling whatsoever that Tony was going to retire, win, lose, or draw after Game 7? I, I think some people, you know, he went through the um, the, the health issue that year. when we was, It was tough for him to show up to the field. He had so I think shingles, right? Maybe, Didn't he have yeah, shingles that year? I remember in L.A., he, he showed up to the field and just the door was closed. You couldn't get access yeah, to him. He, he just, I remember he just that. Laid, laid in there just to rest up so he could make it through the game. And so I think some people might have thought it, but I don't think anybody knew. I mean, we we knew um, afterwards we, we had the parade, and then he called everybody into the weight room, and that's when he told everybody. And we had, a, we had to keep quiet for 24 hours until they could, you know, do it the way they wanted. Um, but I think, it, you know, it was silent. I mean, when he said that in the weight room, everybody's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, this is the end of a legend, you know, and, and uh, he's going out on top. But, you know, it kind of everybody just sat there for a minute and, and we walked out of that room and, you know, it's like, you know, that, that that's a great way to go out. But, uh, but man, I think it caught some people off guard for sure. I'll wrap it up with this. You're doing great things for folks that are less fortunate in North County. You're also doing a lot of things outside of the country. Brace for Impact is your organization. You're making a living with this and, and changing lives. Can you explain what you're doing and how you got this all going? Yeah, it's something I started right after we got done. And um, got done playing. My wife and I always wanted to do something. And, uh, we went on a trip with Adam Wainwright to Haiti and, and just fell in love with the people there. And, uh, so we get to do some great things with Adam and another partner. We have a, an orphanage, a school, a hospital, water and sanitation. We touch about 40,000 people a day there. I'm actually going to be going down for our first time in a year next week. Um, and then, and then two years after we started that, we came here in community development in, in North city, St. Louis, where we, we, uh, we hire local contractors to do work on these homes that are being renovated. And, uh, and then there's families placed in and our partner works with those families to help stabilize them and their kids. But, uh, I love it. I'm a volunteer. I don't make any money doing this. It's, it's just a passion of mine. Uh, we have a small team of two that, that, uh, that, that help us carry this out, but we have amazing partners that we get to support and just watch their leadership grow and watch their platform and the community grow and just reach uh, a ton of people and make a huge difference in lives. So I love it. It's what gets me up every day. It's what keeps me up at night as well, especially through this last year. Um, but I, I love uh, using the platform that I created, you know, here in St. Louis as a uh, growing up here, playing here, winning World Series here, and then leveraging that in a healthy way to, to make a difference for people. And um, so I love it. It's what I get to do every day. Kyle, for listeners who are hearing you right now talk about, uh, talk about this and want to get involved, how can they do so? What's the best way for them to help out? Yeah, you can follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram. We try to post every day. We, we post uh, a lot more on the Haiti stuff um, just, just in terms of access and, and, and ways that we go about it. But we're equally as passionate about our St. Louis side. 
Um, and then uh, our, our website, Brace for Impact 46. I will tell you, if you're a coffee drinker, we just started our own coffee with Caldi's Coffee two years ago oh, nice. that we buy from buy from Haiti, support workers and farmers there. All the money we make on that coffee goes to sending kids to our school. So for every 24 bags of coffee we sell, um, it sends a kid to school for an entire year. So if you're drinking coffee every day, this is a high-quality uh, coffee that comes from Caldi's. That's, that beans are from Haiti, and it's making an impact on kids, getting them an education, so you can't get any better. That's on our website. That's great stuff. And uh, final question. I, I lied. I have one more question for you. <laughs> um, we got uh, Alan Craig coming up next. Do you, you want me to ask him anything from you? Do you, do you have any uh, burning questions that you want for Alan Craig? Alan Craig. Man, I tell you what. Alan Craig was, I don't have a question, but I have a comment on Alan Craig. Okay. When I, I play with Alan in the minor leagues in high A, and he was the best pure hitter that I ever played with in the minor leagues. I mean, the guy could flat out hit. I played with him there. He hit like 320 in the Florida State League, which nobody does that. Then we go to Springfield, and he plays there. And then he comes to the big leagues, and he plays there. And you want to talk about you know, his, his contribution to that team in 2011 um, and what he did. And unfortunately, that injury, I, I was so looking forward to his career and what he was going to do. I mean, that guy... Yeah, he's a he's one of the greatest humans you, you ever meet, and uh, and just such a talented player. And unfortunately, that injury, you know, shortened his career like so many of us. But uh, uh, amazing guy, amazing father, great wife. I mean, just uh, just a, a great guy. And I'm glad he's involved now with Joe Pfeiffer and the alumni stuff because uh, he's a real treat for St. Louis. And and it was a pleasure to be a teammate of his for a long time. That's well put. So brace for impact and go to the social media. Uh, aspects of Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find your work there, and you're doing great things here in St. Louis and abroad. And continue to do that, continued success, and thanks for coming on and, and hopping on and sharing some memories with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. You got it. That's Kyle McClellan, the uh, the St. Louis native. Uh, played for the Cardinals, obviously doing some great things. That was fun. Absolutely. That was awesome. I love catching up with these guys, and I can't wait to catch up with Alan Craig here in just a bit. Alan Craig next on 101 ESPN. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Pitch to him. And Craig hits a high fly ball. Opposite way. Trip. Slam. Grand slam. Alan Craig. That is a rocket into left. At the wall. It is out of here. And a home run for Alan Craig. 3 2. Craig hits it in the air to right. Back at the wall. The Cardinals have taken a game seven. 3-2 lead and a home run by Allen Craig. Just one hit in the second. Here's a fly ball into left. Back at the track. Allen Craig will leap and make the catch. Two up. In the air to left. Well hit. Back is Craig. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. One of the great players of that 2011 championship team, Alan Craig. He had timely hits, overlooked the home run in Game 7, overlooked the catch over the wall, and he joins us on the Danny Mac Show. I'm Dan McLaughlin, BK alongside Tanner with us, and let's say good morning to Alan Craig. Alan, great to hear your voice. How are things going? Hey, Danny Mac, BK, how you guys doing? Things are going good over here. Things are going good. Thanks for having me on. I don't know about you. I got goosebumps listening to that. Do you? Uh <laughs> totally. I, I appreciate that that interview. I mean, just hear, hearing hearing uh, hearing all that stuff uh, really takes you back. And uh, uh, what, what an opportunity of a lifetime! It's uh, 
It's it's great. What has happened to the World Series ball? I got to ask that. I always want to know what happened to the final ball that was put in play in in Game Seven. You caught it. Uh, what did you immediately do with it? And where is that baseball right now? Uh, so you know, immediately, obviously, I ran in with it with my glove and and came in to celebrate with my teammates. And uh, I believe uh, Jason Mott took it out of my back pocket to get it uh, authenticated, and then he he brought it back to me, and uh, I kept it in my locker. Um, you know, for a day or so. And then the, the day after the world series is when, uh, Tony pulled us into the weight room and, and had a conversation with us. And, and that's when he told us that he was going to be retiring from managing. Um, and when I heard that, I, I immediately ran to my locker, got the ball and ran back and, and I gave it, I gave it to Tony. I thought that that would be the best place, uh, for it after, you know, amazing hall of fame managerial career. I thought that, you know, uh, he obviously deserved it. I had the thrill of catching the ball, um, which was enough for me, and, and I just wanted him to have it. So he's got it. Uh, I don't know where it currently is, but he's got it. What was that moment like for you guys as he pulls you into that locker room or that weight room, excuse me, and he tells you for the mm-hmm. first time that he's officially going to retire? Now we know he's back, but what was that moment like for you guys hearing the finality of it with Tony? Um, it was, it was a, a little strange, you know, cause everyone's like on a high note and, you know, we're obviously trying to coordinate like, you know, what's happening next, where's everybody going from here type thing. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, obviously when, when Tony speaks, everyone's listening and, and, uh, you know, he kind of went into it the way that he does. And he's just kind of described how, you know, he's going to be retiring. I think that everyone was, you know, a little surprised. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, we just won the world series and, you know, he's telling us that he's retiring, but we obviously all, you know, respected his decision. And I think in that, in that moment, I think that, you know, the, the temperature of the room was just like appreciative, you know, we just won the world series. And, you know, I think a lot of us were thinking back, uh, you know, just, you know, with what, what an incredible ride that season was the ups and downs and how close we are, we were to, being out of it a number of times and in kind of like what Tony must've been thinking during, during those moments, knowing that, you know, that could have been his last game or, or whatever the case may be. So, um, yeah, I think that we were all like appreciative and that was the tone. So, um, but it, it was definitely, um, interesting for sure. Alan Craig is our guest. Alan, I, I got to tell you, and I'll say it publicly, you were so great to deal with from a media perspective. When we were doing the games, you were always first class. So, number one, I appreciate that so much. Um, and it meant a lot to many of us, whether it's Jim Hayes, myself, others that were on the games at that time in 2011. We continue to do it this year, and we always refer to guys like you of the way to do it and how to be a professional. And secondly, I wanted to ask you about when – the game was on the line and and you look back at your numbers with runners in scoring position they are ridiculous mm-hmm. they are absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous as you talk mm-hmm. to young players can you try to break it down i i know it's sometimes tough like guys to say well i i don't know i just did it um did you were you able mm-hmm. to slow the game down what was your mindset with runners in scoring position game on a line you would come mm-hmm. through it, your average was mm-hmm. ridiculous in those spots how do you do it and mm-hmm. how what do you tell kids now mm-hmm. Well, first, you know, Danny, I appreciate you, you, you know, you know, saying that about, you know, my relationship with the media in St. Louis, like I definitely always tried to uh, be available in the good times and the bad times. Um, You know, there were a lot of, a lot of really amazing times and and towards the end, there were some tough times, you know, but I always, always tried to be available and you guys were, 
were gracious to me. And, um, you know, I appreciate you saying that um, you to the second, to, to the second part of your question. Um, you know, that, that was just such a, a special time, like, you know, in St. Louis, um, uh, you know, I, you know, first had a lot of incredible players, uh, around me. Um, a lot of, you know, great hitting coaches, you know, all the way up through my career in the minor leagues and the big leagues, um, that were always, you know, pumping positive, you know, messages, uh, into my head. Um, so had a lot of great people around me. And secondly, I think that like, you know, my my skills like really, uh, matched up well with, with those teams, you know, hitting the middle of the lineup. I always, I always, uh, tried to be, you know, unselfish in the way, you know, that I approached the game. I always tried to think, you know, situationally, like what, what's, you know, what, what can I do to produce the best outcome for, for, uh, for the team, you know, and, and for myself in this situation. And then, and most importantly, like, I just, I thrive like being in those situations. I wanted to get the job done for the team, you know, selfishly, if that makes sense, you know, I try to do it selfishly, but in an unselfish way. Um, if that makes sense. Oh, and I, does, think that yeah. it just starts, I think that it just starts with like, you know, supreme confidence and, and just like looking forward to those moments and like anticipating the situation kind of like setting up, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, to be there, you know, and that was just a, a special time, you know, like uh, in 2013, we led, led the league as a team with runners in the scoring position. And I think that we just like fed off each other. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think that, you know, the old adage that, uh, you know, hitting is contagious. It, it, it is so, it is so true. You know, it sounds like oversimplified, but a lot of times it, it really is like, you know, when you see the guy ahead of you, uh, you know, doing something positive, like for the team and for himself, you know, then you want to do the same thing. And sometimes it's as simple as that. You know, I don't think there's like a secret formula. I think it's just like comes down to competing and wanting to be in that spot and, and, uh, you know, knowing your opponent, knowing the guy you're facing and, and trying to figure out the best way to get the job done. So, um, I guess that's how I'd kind of summarize it. Um, but yeah, just a special time, you know, in St. Louis, with the, those group of players. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be in the middle of it and my skills really matched up with, uh, you know, the personnel and like what we were trying to, what we were trying to do. So, you know, that was great. You mentioned how you had a lot of good players around you, and that's that's something that mm-hmm. we look forward to this team in the 2021 season, adding Nolan Arenado to the middle of the order. What did it mean for you to be able to have a guy like Matt Holiday right there uh, by you in the batting order? How much does that change the way that you were pitched, if any? Did you notice mm-hmm. anything change with the way that you were pitched with Holiday right there? Uh, well, I mean, anytime that you could have, you know, talent around you that has proven to be consistent, you know, uh, you know, with, with Matt holiday and, and Beltron, I mean, you can, you know, run down the list, uh, of, you know, hall of fame caliber players that I, that I was surrounded by. And it's just about having like consistent, like performers around you, you know, what you're going to get, you know, on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you got to put yourself in the mind of like pitchers, you know, when they're, when they're looking at a lineup filled with, with that, that talented of players, it, it makes it, it makes it tough. You know, you have to, you can't just walk everybody. So you gotta, you gotta come at guys. I, I think the most important question I have to ask is, is Tordy Craig still with us and doing well? <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. He's doing, <laughs> he, 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 he's doing great. I tell people that, you know, he's, he's living his life, you know, at his own pace. Oh yeah. Uh, he's, Good one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so he's, He's doing good. He's big now. He's probably like 70 or 80 pounds. And, 
um yeah he's doing it he's doing his thing so, unbelievable yeah unbelievable yeah. um what do you yeah. want, where, where are you at now are you in california and and for fans who don't know tell us what you're doing in the game of baseball yeah i'm in southern california living in temecula with my family um you know spending a lot of time with them uh and and loving that you know just uh you know you know, being in the game of baseball, playing for so long, you travel a ton and, and you're away a lot. So I'm kind of just relishing, you know, in the time uh, with my family, with my wife and my three daughters uh, and my dogs and stuff. So so that's been great. Um, so at, in 2000, 2018, the Padres signed me as a player um, and I was in big league camp with them and spent the whole year in AAA uh, 2018, um, you know, in an effort to try and get back to the big leagues. And they signed me back in 2019 for spring training. I didn't make the team uh, in 19, um, you know, but I was fortunate enough to get a job offer with the Padres um, kind of immediately after I retired that spring training to come on board as an advisor to baseball operations. So that's, that's something that I've been doing um, since 2019. And that's just been like a great experience for me just to, you know, have, have the experience I had as a player and then to be fortunate enough to kind of jump on the other side and to, continue to learn, uh, about the game on that side. Um, so, you know, I've been, been blessed as a player and, you know, I'm just, you know, thankful for this opportunity that I have now. So it's been great. Decent time to be a part of the Padres organization, yeah. Alan. You, you jumped on mm-hmm. at a at a pretty good point in their organization's mm-hmm. history. We watch mm-hmm. Fernando Tatis Jr. We see all the bombs, mm-hmm. the unbelievable athleticism, as somebody who mm-hmm. is now, I mean, I would imagine you have a little bit more of an intimate knowledge of who he's like as a person. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about who Fernando Tatis is and how he became such a spectacular player? I mean, I think that, like, honestly, like, you know, what you see is 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 what he is. You know, he's an exciting uh, player, an exciting person. And, you know, to be honest, like, I mean, the Padres were building for you know, they've been building for, we've been building for a long time, you know, before, you know, I came on board, this whole thing has been a process. And, um, so yeah, I mean, Tatis is an amazing player, you know, exciting player in person and, uh, you know, he's great. What are the uh, Cardinals telling you about trying to get back in St. Louis for the 10 year reunion? Are they, is it, is it something that's kind of out there? We hope to get it done if we're all, you know, able to do so this season at Bush stadium. Yeah, I, I, you know, from what I hear, uh, Plan A is that to do it, you know, and I think right. that we're in the in the, in, in the works of uh, you know getting everyone together and 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 making arrangements to make it happen, you know. So I think that, you know, I'm obviously like very excited about it. Everyone that I've I've talked to, former players, are are very excited about it. We just you know hope and pray that you know the season stays the course, and you know hopefully it will, and you know we can all come together sometime you know, later this year, hopefully, and, and celebrate, um, you know, that moment. I, I can't, be, I can't believe that it's, it's been 10 years, you know, like, you know, you win the world series, uh, 10 years ago and you're talking about it with teammates Oh, in 10 years, you know, we can, you know, celebrate this and 20 years and, and, and on and on. And it's like, well, <laughs> here it is life, you know, it's right, right in front of you. So, um, it's pretty, pretty exciting. It is. It's amazing. It's been 10 years and I'll wrap it up with this. I, I was thinking mm-hmm. about this in, in hearing you. Alan Craig, David Freeze, John Jay, 
Daniel Descalso, you guys are probably hanging out in the minor leagues at some point going, man, what would it be like to be together winning World Series? You know, that'd be kind of cool. And then you do it, and now here we are 10 years later celebrating it. It is just the as cliche and corny as it sounds, the, the the circle of life and the circle of a baseball life. But it's so cool, though, that you guys will get back together this summer. No doubt. No doubt. Um, you know, you know, me, Jay, Daniel, uh, Freezer, you know, that whole group. Um, it was something that we did talk about in the minor leagues. You know, we were a competitive bunch and we were hungry to show what we could do at the, at the major league level. Um, and that's something we talked about in the minor league. We wanted to win you know, every championship in the minor leagues. Um, and we talked about getting to the big leagues and winning the world series and making a mark, um, you know, with a hall of fame manager and hall of fame players like, you know, you know, Berkman and holiday and, and Albert, uh, and Yachty and Wayno and, and carp, the whole crew, you know, so we, we, we visualized ourselves with that group and to have it like actually, uh, come to be and to have us, you know, on the field, uh, in game seven, uh, in the ninth inning to all record an out, uh, in that, in yeah. that, uh, top of the ninth inning. I mean, that's just like, you know, storybook stuff where the stars aligned and, uh, it, it's just a really, really great experience and we're all grateful for it. So very special stuff. Alan, wonderful to catch up with you. Stay safe and healthy. Thanks for doing this and look forward to seeing you at the ballpark at Bush stadium this summer. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. You got it. That's Alan Craig, one of the heroes from that 2011 World Championship Club. I know you love the numbers. Go back and look at late and close. Go look at uh, look back at runners in scoring position. There was a time that this guy was money, money man. You wanted him up at the plate, maybe even more so than anybody else. Hell of a hitter, man. Um, hell of a player overall. But it's. Sometimes you look back on careers and there are specific ones, especially locally that you look back on. And you're like, man, if there was no injuries that took yep. place, what He's would won. that player have been? And Alan Craig is absolutely one of those guys. I was there the day in uh, San Diego when the Cardinals traded Alan Craig and um, Joe Kelly to Boston and they got John Lackey and it was a good deal for the Cardinals. I can tell you though, there were some shook up players, man. And that, that that's probably the one that stands out for me of just being around the team, and and it happened right basically at the deadline, and we're on the West Coast. So day game, you know, guys are kind of getting in and out of the the clubhouse, and I'm down at the clubhouse and and seeing that. And, um, man, guys were tight with him. I mean, they appreciated the fact that he was grinding, and they knew that he was banged up, something wasn't right, and he never made excuses. And believe me, that goes a long way. When guys are struggling and they don't make excuses and show up every day and don't put themselves on the injured list – they say, hey, I'm I'm here. Numbers are what they are, but I'm here to compete. They appreciate that, and he's a good guy, and they pull for him. And that one was tough, and Joe Kelly was well-liked too. So that's one of those trades that kind of reverberated through the uh, the clubhouse and through the franchise. It was a very likable, two likable guys. Absolutely. And it, it ended up working out for them in terms of on the baseball sure. field. But, yeah, sometimes it's, it's about more than just that. Uh, we have got the BK and – Ferrario show coming up, but Ferrario, you know, he had a baby, so he's going to be at home. Uh, who do you have coming in with you? So we have Mark Saxon in with us today. Going to be a lot of Cardinals baseball talk coming up from 11 to 2 this uh, morning slash afternoon, as you can probably imagine. And Dan, one of the greatest general managers to ever do it, is going to join us coming up at 12.15. John Sherholtz, the architect of the Braves, and great run, and the Royals. The 1985 Royals as yeah, well. He was there. Looking forward to it. Great show. Uh, Tanner, awesome job getting Kyle McClellan and Alan Craig. That was a lot of fun. And we'll talk to everybody at 10 on Monday on 101 ESPN. 
You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.